It's Monday the 13th of September 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is Adam Svitala, um, a prolific Polish-Icelandic musician who composes, researches and teaches at the University of Iceland and elsewhere. Welcome to you. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, this weekend we learned that our beloved volcano uh, was only taking a little break for nine days and lava started flowing again on Saturday. There is an uncertainty alert in place for Askia volcano in the central highlands and seismic activity on the Snæfellsnes peninsula even points to a possible first eruption there in a thousand years, uh, though not in the coming months or probably years, you'll be pleased to hear. Overall, though, seven Icelandic volcano systems are showing some signs of life at the moment, including, of course, the one that is actively erupting. In election news, uh, there are 10 parties on the ballot all over Iceland and 11 in North Reykjavik. The 11th party's candidate list for South Iceland, however, was rejected on the grounds of not having enough supporting signatures. It's not known yet if the party has appealed the decision or what the outcome will be. The latest poll results from this morning show both Framsóknaflokkurinn and Viðreist gaining support at the expense of Sjálfstæðisflokkurinn, which remains, however, the biggest party. 3.8% of voters have chosen to vote early so far, although most are choosing to wait until the 25th of September, polling day. An immigration expert and social researcher has called for new Icelanders to have the right to vote in future elections, pointing out that one in five workers in Iceland are immigrants and that many will probably never bother applying for citizenship because they don't need to as European citizens. If they don't, however, they will never be able to vote under the current system and political parties will never have a reason to, let, to take them seriously or work for them in that case. A scrapey outbreak in the Skagafjörður region of North Iceland has hit at the worst possible time as farmers across the country are engaged in autumn roundups. Scrapey is a highly infectious disease and one without a cure. Whole flocks are culled to avoid the spread because the disease cannot be detected in testing on living animals. In other infection news, um, Iceland's COVID-19 figures continue to look good, with the 14-day infection rate per 100,000 people now below 150 for the first time since late July. The chief epidemiologist has submitted his latest set of recommendations to the health minister, and she says she will probably announce new relaxations tomorrow. Hackers targeted several Icelandic financial businesses this weekend, stopping all card payments for a short while and spurring discussion about cyber security. What happens if foreign states or terrorists stop us from going out to buy a sandwich or something to drink? And what must be done to prevent it? These are very real questions in an essentially post-cash society. And finally... Reykjavik is gearing up to host the world's biggest esports tournament at Lögadalshöt Arena this autumn. So, where would you like to begin? Hmm. So many interesting topics, right? A new, weeks and weeks now. It's been uh-huh. a treat of news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, let's maybe begin with with uh, the volcano as a more entertaining topic, I guess. <laughs> I think we are... Um, it was. I found it so interesting when I went to get my vaccine, at, and I was in this, um, you know, huge hall with with so many other people, waiting to to get the shot. And we were watching uh, videos of the volcano eruption, and I was thinking, how interesting is that? I can't imagine any other country where people would be shown a volcano to 
calm down and and, and feel and feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that the, yeah. the volcano is kind of a tourist attraction now and also like a local attraction and and we keep maybe talking about it to um, calm down on nerves mm. and not talk about COVID all the time or yeah. all the other things that are more disturbing. I know there are some people that dislike the volcano, but for various reasons, but most people seem to like it um, <laughs> because it's relatively not that dangerous um, compared yeah. to, to most such eruptions. Um, but nine days was the longest it's gone without spewing lava and then it suddenly started up again. Um, mm. How did you react? Was it surprising? Oh, um, well, I've I've heard speculations that Iceland might have entered a new um, era of, of uh, seismic activity and volcanic activity, mm. which might go on for, you know, centuries. So um, I wasn't that surprised maybe, but I was also not following the volcano news every day. So I just saw the pictures of people posting on Facebook when the eruption started again and the spectacular red lights over Reykjavik on the evening sky. But yeah, I think that, that people tend to think about the volcano as uh, almost like, like a person, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, and it's been taking these long pauses all summer long. Um, clearly, it's a positive influence for the tourism industry. I wonder how much, though. I wonder how many people that are visiting Iceland just wouldn't do so if there wasn't the volcano. Uh, impossible to say, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so, especially in the times of the pandemic, I think. It's also interesting how we are getting used to, now we're talking about the numbers looking relatively good and they're actually quite still high compared to what, what we had a few months ago mm. before the uh, fourth wave started. Uh, and and I think this is the this is the way we have to think of it, that it's not going to just end at a point. At least that's how it seems that we have to get used to living with some kind of precautions and, and some kind of restrictions for probably at least um, some some more months or maybe even years. Who knows? Mm. There, there are so many. I find this uh, when I only focus on the local news, um, it's, it's easy to be more relaxed about COVID. But when I think of all the countries where the Delta variant has not hit yet, really, or all the countries where the situation is really bad, and I, I have friends in in um, in co countries like South Africa, or they, they can't really get enough of the vaccine, and um, you know, or India. There are so many um, parts of uh, um, countries in the world where the situation is still very, very bad, mm -hmm. and it's easy to forget uh, about this being in our bubble, in our comfort zone. And I think it's <clears throat> very important to. To, to keep in mind that as long as the situation is bad anywhere in the world, it, it will be, it will go on. Exactly, because it only takes one group outbreak or even one individual mm. in some cases to, to get things rolling again. Um, what could the next set of relaxations be? Because we're already at 200 people as the limit um, with exemptions for 500 under certain conditions. Mm. Um you know, how much more can you relax the rules without there not being any rules or without them not having any effect? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that the one of the um, really dis dis disturbing or difficult things about uh, the um, situation is that 
it's uh, th there is this uncertainty. We don't know. We can't plan um, a, a long time in advance, which is very difficult for us as teachers and students and 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 for artists for institutions. And I think that um, if we if we find a way to deal with that, if, if we have um, ways to work in this changing reality um, and and go on, you know, and not keep cancelling and relaunching things constantly, but rather find some kind of uh, stable traje trajectory to go on with projects, mm. which is also a change in the mindset, I think, that that we can't wait wait for the old normal to be back. We should think of that the world has changed, our, our everyday life have changed. And what what is the current state of the music industry, for example? I know because that's probably the closest to you. Hmm. Um, it's been subject to enormous delays, enormous loss of income. Um, yeah. How, how are things today? I mean, airwaves are cancelled. and um, Well, you know, people are trying. It also depends on the country. Many of my, my friends who, uh, who live in, in Poland or Germany or, or in the UK, they, they are back on tour and they are then they're, they're reconsidering and sometimes cancelling again so so people are trying to make sense of the situation of course we all want to connect with our audiences we we want to go on with the projects but also many uh well funding was um you know blocked mm. <laughs> in 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 some ways um, all the people who were applying for for funding for some long term projects I think many of them still are in a very uncertain uh, situation, so it will take some time. But we need to change our, our way um, ways of thinking about it. I am convinced that we can't just wait for things to be back to what we used to know. And maybe just briefly, how is it affecting music? Hmm. Because this period of time that we've gone through for a year and a half must be an enormous inspiration to a lot of musicians to, to create new and different music is that something you're noticing especially perhaps through your teaching well we we've seen we've seen so many artists posting different kinds of uh, performances online and and trying to connect with the audiences I, I think we've learned a lot and well it's a huge topic we could talk about music making on zoom or uh, or, or um, collaborations happening online but I think that it's important to remember that music is not just what we call the music industry is also part of people's everyday life and it's it's a, it's a very important part of education and so many projects um we, we couldn't continue with with so many projects because we were not able to meet with people in person mm. for instance um i'm i'm working here in iceland with immigrant families with young children um and and we are meeting weekly for family music classes and it's a very beautiful project i i'm very happy about it and we had to you know be cancelling every couple of weeks once uh, every couple of weeks and then relaunching and people felt very uh, uncertain about how it's going to be and and uh, this is very sad this mm. is very sad to be disconnected from especially uh, when i think of children you know and and how for 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 a young child, uh, a year of COVID is like a whole part of their, um, a, a significant part of their life 
lived through very weird circumstances. So, and before the Delta variant came, mm. children weren't as affected as, as they are now. I mean, the majority of new infections at the moment are in children. children. So, is that affecting this group at all, or is? I mean, you're just sticking to the rules, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I, I think. Um, well, we've learned some interesting things. Um, f- for instance, I think we all got used to wearing masks, and it's not such a big deal anymore. Of course, it's mm. to some extent uncomfortable, especially if you're singing for for, for a couple of hours. But but I, I think that we've learned that this is something we we just have to do, and it's not it's not as difficult to. Uh, you know, people just do it, which is great. Um, but of course, it has impact on on, um, on on how people approach participation in in events like that. I, I think the, the, now we are all hopeful, and and uh, at least in Iceland, I mm. think that it's getting better, and and people are hopeful that we will be able to continue. Yeah, we hold the line and 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 wait and see what happens tomorrow. But it does seem. In fact, the health minister herself has said that she would in all likelihood announce more mm. relaxations tomorrow, um, which as long as the numbers look good still, or at least don't look bad, <laughs> um, will be a very positive step. You were talking about participation um, and involvement mm. and people being locked out of certain things. Maybe that's a possible segue into the conversation about the election and, and the story yeah. about... Um, the, about immigration, uh, immigrant participation in voting, mm. I should say. Um, because there won't be any change for this election. It's far too late for that now. Um, but there is a conversation going on about who should be allowed to vote. Because mm. uh, at the moment it's only citizens. And for yeah. that you need to be in Iceland for seven years and yeah. then apply and be accepted. Um, whereas a lot of people in Iceland haven't been here for seven years. Or some who have been here for seven years haven't bothered to apply for citizenship and may never do so. Should they be allowed to vote? Yeah, I think this is a very important question. Um, also because um, we need to be, we need to realize that that many of the people who come to Iceland um, as immigrants and they come here to to, to work, um, you know, often they they come with young children or, or they have children after they're in Iceland and uh, many of them probably don't don't even have this idea uh, of applying for citizenship because they are citizens of, of other countries and they think of going back at a point mm. but still they often end up spending a significant part of their life lives in Iceland and uh, with this uh, you know amazing amazing increase of, of a number of, of um immigrants in Iceland within the past 10, 20 years, they contribute so much to, to the society. Um, and they live um, in a country where they um, feel that they don't have much impact on, on the reality, re- reality they, they live in. In some of the schools in, uh, in Reykjavik, uh, there's up to 80% of children who have Icelandic as the second language. Mm. So I think it's I, I don't have an answer to to that, but I think it's a very very relevant question: how to what it means to be inclusive, you know, and and um, what it means to be a to embrace this diversity because I think that this should be embraced and there's an amazing potential in that. 
and mm. we can already see how uh, how many um, amazing artists who are not born in Iceland contribute to 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 the Icelandic culture in music or, or in, in in other arts art forms. So so it's um, it's a very important question. If someone is like a, a sort of a guest worker that comes in and they leave again after six months, you probably wouldn't expect them to have the right to vote. Someone that's been here for mm. 10, 20 years, you probably would expect them to have the right to vote, even if they're not a citizen. I guess drawing that line of, of where where that point is reached, where when when that should be a right that people have. And indeed, if any political party will pick it up and run with it, because at the moment it's not really on the agenda, it's a discussion in the media, um, political parties would have to want this to happen, would have to debate it mm. and push it through Parliament. Um and then, of course, it becomes party political. Some parties would probably view this as something that would be good for them because they would get more votes, mm. while other parties might think it was bad for them because the immigrant vote probably wouldn't be with them. And I wonder how that would affect the discussion and if it mm. ever made it through. Well, it's always it's always a political thing, but but uh, well, it's 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 very important to be able to um, you know see the see the bigger picture. There's also um, I've actually uh, read some very interesting studies uh, uh, last week. Um, that's that there is a the, there is a link between um, how um, how how uh, well let's say that the the, the level of um, perceived or you know um, happiness how how people describe their own happiness and well being in a country. There is a link between that and their approach towards welcoming. Uh, immigrants and the link is uh, positive. So, those communities who are who are more welcoming towards immigrants, after a few years, they also are more satisfied and and um, they experience their reality as as better. So, it's very interesting. I think we we just need to understand that it's a there are more interest uh, important things than just um, you know the result of this particular election and. Um, I think Iceland will be becoming. I hope so. Will be becoming more and more, uh, more and more diverse community, which is very beautiful about um, uh, about Iceland now. I think. Mm. So um, we will be all living together. And so we should probably all have a say. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. I mean, one possible solution, if you will, to this problem, again, mm. if you will, if it is a problem, mm. is maybe sort of giving people that have had Kenitala or Lohemili the right to vote after seven years, whether or not they then apply for citizenship. Mm. But then, of course, that number seven years is very arbitrary. There's yeah. even a question about whether the citizenship barrier should be seven years, because a lot of countries it's less than seven years. Yeah, It's a long time. It is. Um, it is a long time. Well, is that a bad thing? I mean, you know, to mm. become a citizen of a country, you have to be kind of committed to it, uh, yeah, and and kind of yeah. adjusted to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I don't have I, I don't have um, an answer to to that, but I think that um, we could ask the question: what what it means to be committed, and and who, what is the contribution, you know, to of an individual to to the community? And I think that people people who who come here for even even a shorter um, 
um, period of time than seven years. They they often their contribution to to the culture of um, of the country is is very significant. Mm. So that's a very valid question about the seven years. Whether that's not an outdated idea. Mm. Well, that's a whole different cons- conversation as yeah. well. Like, what is citizenship? How sacred is mm. citizenship? Because you know, it's kind of a lifetime gift, if you will, or, or certainly mm. brings some sort of level of responsibility. And if you can pick it up quite easily, and then carry it around with you for life, you know, there's there's a lot of issues around it. But absolutely, possibly not ones that we can answer right now. Therefore, should we move on to a different topic? There are several left and not a lot of time. <laughs> um, where are we? There was the the financial, the card payments all going down for <laughs> a couple of hours. There's the esports tournament, which is also internet news in a different way. Um, the sheep illness. Where else? Um, the League of Legends, the, the yes, tournament. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just again, virtual re- reality news in a way. It is. And... I would hazard a guess that most people don't really care about this, but a lot of people care about this deeply, and yeah. it's the biggest of its kind in in the world. There's going to be there's millions of dollars in prize money. Um, um what does it say here? A hundred million people followed the last final of this tournament. Yeah, so it's it's it is a very big deal. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I I think that. Um. It's very interesting that, that gaming is such a strong industry in in Iceland, but um, it's not just in Iceland, of course. It is a. It, it's also not not many people realize that gaming is a very strong lobby already. In many countries, it's way stronger than the music industry and the film industry altogether. Mm. Um, for instance, you know one of the probably most um, popular Polish composers. Not by name, but in terms of how many people listen to to his music, is Marcin Przybyłowicz, who composed the music for for The Witcher, the, the computer game. Okay. And he, you know, not many people recognize this name, probably even in Poland, probably not so many. Mm. But it's, it's an incredible number of people who who listen to to this music, even daily, playing the, those games. So, um, yeah, I think it is a significant event. Um, and it was it, it was moved from from China, right? To I, I I don't remember the details, but it's very interesting that it's happening in Reykjavik. I think I'm not. I don't know actually. Mm. Maybe, but I not. I wasn't aware that this one had been moved. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure either. It's just that. But there was an invite only tournament that took mm. place here in May of the same mm. game, um, and that was moved. That was brought here because of COVID, and they were looking for a suitable location that could hold it, given the pandemic. And apparently it went very well, and that influenced the decision mm. to bring the World Championship here in nice. October and November. It is October and November, yeah. So it's the same game, they in the same venue. They've proven the concept, they can do it, um, and so they're just repeating it, but on a bigger stage. There'll be over 600 staff and competitors alone. Mm. That's not without any people that come to, to, to view it, which apparently is a, a big thing. I, I've been having a few discussions with people about this. You know, people do travel to watch this just like any other mm-hmm. sport because uh, it's it's more it's more than just watching people play a computer game. It's it's an event in its own right. And there's a big yeah. show around it. And yeah, quite exciting. Um, 
hopefully the mass vaccination centre won't be in use at the time. <laughs> they, they, it's not timetabled to be, at least. Hmm. Um, but I'm sure they'll take the red dust. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're going to make it. <laughs> exactly. Um, League of Legends is not an Icelandic game. But there are Icelandic games. As you say, the tech sector here yeah. is quite big. Yeah. And the Minister of Industry and Innovation has flagged this very tournament as being a, a boost to the whole industry in Iceland. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, she would say that. Um, but there must be some truth to that. Even even the, the Icelandic companies may not be directly involved in this game. It brings a, a certain spotlight, doesn't it? I think so. And also, I, um, this is my personal observation, but... I, I, um I think that computer gaming is incredibly popular in Iceland. And, um, you know, there are good and bad things about it probably, but, but it definitely is a, a very important part of of uh, the everyday life of, of so many people, you know, ch also children. So um, it's, it's quite interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. And then we, we all pay on, on using our credit cards for... Uh, everything actually in Iceland, uh, people don't really use cash, which was like one of the previous topics. And I think somehow it is connected. It's it's uh, interesting when I think of the difference, um, you know, between it's so striking between Iceland and Germany, where I've also spent part of my life and um, and and I, I I visited whenever I can. I mean, I'm now because of COVID, I'm not traveling as much, but um, in in Germany. Uh, in Berlin, I, I often, I'm very, you know, every time I'm surprised that I, I can't use my um, credit cards in so many um, places. It just people are still used to cash. It's the part of this culture that cash is the real, that Germans have the this, this saying, nur bares ist wahres, which means like, you know, only cash is the real money. Mm. And it's still quite strong in, 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 in that culture. And then I go back to Iceland and it's completely the opposite uh, it's it's you know it's it's a problem if you want to use cash you have to ask for it and, uh, you, um, so and it's not that's not new as well because no. we've had the we've got contactless payments we've had chip and pin but even before yeah. that with the magnetic strips and the signing thing it was it wasn't a lot different to how it is now it's been many years it's very interesting how it um, how it is part of the culture and uh, what the possible implications are, I, I don't really know. You know, I'm I, I don't know much about how this may impact the security of our um, personal budgets. <laughs> so this news story at the weekend is it mm. kind of small because yeah, people couldn't pay with their cards for half an hour, but it happened twice, and people were attacking Valitor, Arion Banki, and Islands Banki. Yeah, which if it happens again. Uh, or a bigger, better coordinated attack could be a massive problem. And we do really need to take this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, of course we do. I mean, um, even if we use cash, then all the money that we have on our accounts, uh, accounts is more or less a, a virtual entity. We, we just see the numbers, you know, and then... Mm. You go to work, you know, or you do um, something you're being paid for, and someone clicks, and you have a different number on on, on your screen, and that's that's how it works. Mm. There's no flow of money that that we are part of, not in the sense that you know maybe it it was not not that it was maybe 
50 or 100 years ago. So uh, that's, um, yeah, it can be scary if you think of it this way. <laughs> Let's just hope they get the security issues sorted out because, I mean, the both of the main credit card processing systems in Iceland are foreign-owned now. That's not to say that the companies that own them are in any way doing anything bad, mm. um, but it does leave the system a little bit exposed. And the Central Bank of Iceland came up with a plan uh, less than a month ago that they were going to build their own backup system mm. for if this exact thing happens. Um, so I'm sure that's put some fire under them to, to mm. make this happen as well. Yeah, let's hope for... For the best, you know. <laughs> but then having two systems, you know, then it costs more and then maybe we have to pay more in credit card fees. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> another question. If this attack were to be successful, would that stop cash machines, ATMs working? Because then we'd be really screwed. Well, they, they, they have problems anyway. <laughs> yes, they do. It, 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 it happened to me a few times that I wanted to take out some cash and, and the ITM was not in order. So, uh, well, yeah, I guess that's just one of the challenges of the more and more virtual or digital world, you know. Mm -hmm. I think one perhaps really simple solution is mm. try to keep enough to eat in the house, uh, just in case. Just in case you have to go a day without food. Yeah, well, <laughs> or, or um, you know buying all the toilet paper that is um, in stock, like uh, as people did in, in, in many countries when the first COVID wave started, which yeah. was interesting. But yeah. but it is interesting of how we think of what makes us secure in a crisis situation. When you look at um, the statistics of what people actually buy when there's some bad news, mm. it is very interesting. And uh, probably this could be a topic of a whole um you know we could talk about this for 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 a couple of hours but but i think it is interesting how how we think of what makes us secure bread and milk um often which is you know not everybody eats bread and drinks milk every day absolutely suddenly absolutely. we all need it yeah well anyway um on that note, I regret to say we are out of time. Yet again, always happens. Um, <laughs> but The Week in Iceland will be back with an election special next Monday, the 20th of September on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Adam Svitala and also Lydia Gretesdottir for running the studio. We finish today's show with a song called Austros from Bubby Mortens with Briet. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Han var lautin er lökkan kom á staðin Lagd á mig hendur, sáð hún föld Han var skrímsli og skaðin sem hann ollí Gaf mér engrannara kosta völ Varða vernda börnin rjúfa þessa hlekki Þeir fella óða hundir það ekki Hann lá á gólfinu á grúfu við borðin Fyrir 
Augum hennar var óveðrið horfið Hún sagði að nafnin sitt væri ástrós Varð að vernda þau brjóta þessa hlekki Þeir drepa óða hundir það ekki Fyrstu árin, fyrstu tárin, fyrstu sárin, aftur og aftur. Fyrsta höggið, fyrsta sjokkið, fyrsta fyrirgefðu aftur og aftur. Oh.